Welcome. I didn't. I didn't. I was like, do we actually start tonight? Is it like nine? Oh, no, you know. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Well, hey, let's pray and we'll get going. We'll start at least nine fifteen. <laughs> God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are faithful to us and that your mercies are new every morning because we need them. And so we pray this morning as we dive into your word that you would be once again gracious to us and let us see our need for Christ again and again and again. And Father, let us have hope in the work of your spirit in our hearts to, um, to continue fighting against our remaining corruption, our old man that clings to us uh, even though we are born new in Christ. We pray that you would remind us and encourage us through your spirit the work that you're doing in us because of the finished work of Jesus. We pray for that in his name. Amen. All right, so... Song of Solomon. No, it's not Song of It's been a while, but I'm still not doing Song of Solomon. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of John Owen, so this is kind of one of the headings. Uh, so um, God is always faithful to us, and, and I, like you, want to be more faithful to Him, right? So I want to study how we are tempted to sin and try to be wise on how we fight that. What, what are the, what's the deception there? What's the draw in us? And so I want to pick up in the classic text on this, Genesis 3. So remember, uh, if you remember, way back in the beginning, uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, God had given Adam and Eve all that they needed, His hand had provided, right? Is that the way the hymnist writes it? He had exalted them above all other creatures because they bear His image. And um, Adam and Eve are given priestly responsibility, remember, guard and keep. And uh, uh, th that priestly responsibility involved expanding the sanctuary of Eden and having kingly dominion over creation. So that's their, that's their mandate. Make the world like Eden. Make it my temple. So I am dwelling with you. I'm coming down the cool of the day to walk with you. All that stuff's going on. And then we get Genesis 3. Let's look at this. Verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Or if you're in southern Texas or east Texas, it'd be naked. <laughs> and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And we're going to stop there. We're going to stop with the... The big deal. 
And man, it drives me nuts when people have their phone on in Sunday school. It's just so, so annoying. Um, it's on your Bible? No, it was... Okay, so uh, this is a side note. It has nothing to do with the lesson. It completely... Yes, it was mine. Okay, fine, whatever. So this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It has everything to do with how I torment my children. So... Audrey has been saying that the Beauty and the Beast song has been in her head for, for forever and she can't get it out. She hasn't watched the movie in years. And so this morning on the way to church, because we're going to get Emma from Jack Camp so the kids are home, I texted her, had Tammy text her, a tale as old as time, dot, 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 this morning. And she just wrote me back in the middle of my read of the Bible and said, I hate you. So there it is. So there's that. All right, so we're in chapter 3. The, it's a, fatherhood is so fun. I don't claim to be a good one, but I enjoy it. All right. So now, the word now starts a new section. So the last section in chapter 2, the last word in the English uh, in chapter 2 is, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Right? So now starts a new section, and the last section ends with ashamed. In the Hebrew, it actually is a play on words here, leading into the, the theme of sin in the garden. What's the idea there? They weren't ashamed, they soon will be, right, in this next section. What happens here doesn't bring pride. There's no marching with flags on this. It doesn't bring pride. It brings shame, what they do. Um, Let's start with the simple question. Let's find out who the actors are, because when you're reading scripture, you've got to figure out who the players are. So let's figure out who the players are. Who's the serpent? This is a weird thing. This didn't, Tammy always says this, and I think she's right. They didn't, the Bible never records Eve saying, wait, why are you talking? You know? There's none of that. It's Narnia in the garden, apparently. Yeah, probably so. She, they were reading Lewis, and they said, well, this is normal. Um, who is the serpent? Satan. Okay, uh, suddenly you sound like a Slytherin thing going on over here. <laughs> Satan. Uh, how do we know that? Revelation. God's revelation, and, and, and specifically what Jesus said, right? He was a liar from the beginning. That's descriptive. It doesn't tell us who exactly he is. Uh, Romans 6.20 says God will crush his head. It's kind of a, the same language we'll see later in, 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 in Genesis 3 if we kept reading it. But it's not definitive who the serpent is. Revelation 12.9 22, the ancient serpent, a little clearer picture of the, that there's a relationship between the serpent and the deceiver of Satan. God made the serpent, right? I mean, the serpent wasn't self-existent, self-sustaining, eternal God. It's a creature. God made the serpent. Not only that, he made him crafty. Let that sink in. He made him crafty, and I don't mean Pinterest crafty, I mean Pinterest. I say that all the, all the Pinterest. Is that how you say it? Pinterest? Pinterest? Pinterest. Pinterest? Pinterest? I don't know. I'm Southern. Pinterest. Um, and, and crafty isn't necessarily negative. You can be crafty and be, I mean, be wise as a servant, harmless as a dove, is what Jesus tells us to be, right? Uh, Jesus says that. And, and so there's something here that's different with this crafty. What do you think it is? What do you think is different with the crafty? There's like a deceitfulness about it. Like, yeah. There's an objective. 
that the craftiness is going towards. It's to deceive, mm -hmm. right? So the craftiness in and of itself, the, the, the thinking through how things are and, and working toward a goal, it's not, that's not a bad thing. But what, what's the goal? What's the object of your craftiness? Yeah. Uh, other player, what was Adam's role in the garden? What's he supposed to be doing? He's the keeper, right? He's guard and keep. That's a what kind of duty? Guard and keep? Active duty. It's priestly or kingly? Which, which one? Guard and keep? Priestly, right. So you're guarding the temple. You're keeping the things inside holy. You're guarding from things that are not holy on the outside. Kingly would be subdue and increase, right? You're conquering the things that are chaos. You're increasing order of God's kingdom. Those are the two roles that Adam was given. He's supposed to be maintaining the distinction between the clean and the unclean. That's his job. Um, How did the snake get in there? How did this crafty snake get in there if Adam is supposed to be discerning what is good and what is bad and how the temple is supposed to be comprised? Who failed? Adam did. I mean, he didn't have a check post at the garden for the snake to come in and are you, what's your goal here, right? He didn't do, he wasn't, he wasn't at least involved in the conversation this serpent was having with his wife and, and discerning and, and protecting her, right? I mean, that, that wasn't going on. It would seem that Adam was negligent on the job. So the serpent tests the soft target, right? Uh, where was Eve when God gave his covenant with Adam? Where was Eve? She wasn't there yet. She was merely a rib inside his chest, <laughs> right? She didn't quite have ears to hear yet. Uh, Adam, who named her, had the duty to guide her and teach her God's law. That was his role as priest of the home. It was his duty to guide her and teach her God's law. And as far as we know from the text, she only learned what God had commanded from Adam. Is that fair? So what is the serpent, uh, what is the serpent asking here? Did God actually say? What is he doing there? He's separating Adam and Eve. Okay, separating them. Adam's baby taught you this, but is that, did God actually say? Did he really say? She didn't know. She didn't hear it. She's taking it like you guys are for me at this point, you know, for the, he's, he's teaching, although I didn't directly, other than just reading it. I mean, it's a little different situation. <laughs> and, and to be perfectly fair, she's never experienced what a lie is yet. True. No, no, I think she doesn't have the knowledge of good or evil. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's no, no difference. There's no the, concept of falsehood. Right, right. So she's living in the present goodness of God mm -hmm. and in His holiness. And so she's there. Did God actually say every sin begins this way, right? Everyone says, did God actually say? Did, did, it, it's doubt and belief in the, the Word of God, right? Did God actually say? Um, who's the you? Did God actually say, you shall not eat, any, uh, eat of any tree in the garden? 
the use plural. Well, he didn't say it to me. You see what he's doing? He never said this to you. He's, it's you. Do you trust Adam? Does he have your best interest at heart? Where is Adam in this? Men, don't be quiet. Great evils in the world have come from silent men. What's wrong with this picture? Who's instructing whom? There's a clear role reversal at all levels here. A clear role reversal. We're in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. That's what we're doing because it's all good. There's a clear role reversal here. An animal over whom God had given man dominion is enticing the woman to submit to an alternate truth claim. That's messed up. Right? They're to have dominion over the animals. Why is she taking instruction from one of them? And then she gives the fruit out. Exactly. And he takes it. <laughs> Yes, I will submit to your suggestion to let's rebel against God. Sounds good. Nothing, can, what, what could go wrong? Right? You're pretty and all. The woman who was created as helper to the man takes the lead in the conversation about God's character and usurping his authority while her husband, the head of the household, stands silent, silently by. It's completely messed up and upside down. Completely messed up. What does, he, what does he say? He says, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Any tree. What's he doing there? More confusion, more doubt. He's trying to re redefine terms. Redefining terms? Redefining boundaries? Has God said, you shall never drink any alcohol prohibition? Right? Wasn't that the argument? And yet... What does he say? Don't be drunk. Don't be an idiot. I'm giving you this, but don't be an idiot. Has God said, you know, well, we can go on. There are lots of things. We're pendulum swingers. And this is, this is where it is. We, we, we want to go one, well, if, if I do that, then I better kiss daddy goodbye, you know, or whatever. <coughs> We're pendulum swingers. He recounted that, now he's way off the cliff, by the way. Oh, yeah. We oh, I know. Pendulum. So that's the other pendulum. Yeah. <laughs> it's all untrue. There is no God who even said anything. You know, that's, it's, it's this or this. We all have our forms of legalism that we want to swing to. And what does God call us to? He calls us to the priestly duty to discern what is good and evil, to, to actually use our minds instead of set hard, fast, you know, peg it all the way to the other side. Now, some people, I have a friend who is a former alcoholic. He better not touch a drink. Okay? And when I'm around him, I don't touch it because I, I don't want that. He's a, he's a weaker brother in that area. He's a stronger brother in other areas, but he's a weaker brother in that area. And so I don't want to even... I mean, that's, that's being discerning of when to use your freedom, right? Does that make sense? But it's not any tree in the garden. <laughs> it's not every vine. Any, any tree. He exaggerates. The serpent exaggerates. Why? He's trying to push her to, well, this is ridiculous. Any tree? 
he's yeah he's he's the one that's the pendulum swinger he had God had provided abundantly for them and they could eat of any tree except one and the serpent says any tree the idea behind the the serpent's question is an attempt to elicit this thought all I have needed your hand is provided but none of this is worth anything if I don't have the freedom to eat from this one mm -hmm. Isn't that what it is? You're being inhibited. The place where you set your authority, the place where you set your sovereignty, if I can't usurp that and do that even though you tell me not to, then none of the other stuff you've given me is worth anything. Life just doesn't, it's just not worth it if I can't have that. Right? Right now. In a drive through window. <laughs> All right. Example. Adultery. God will forgive me later, but I must have her now no matter the cost to my family, my children, whoever. And you pick any ism, any sin, and that's what it is. Uh, there's a line out of a U2 song. It's one of the B-sides, so it's really, I'm really cool to know this. Um, <laughs> the song's called Salome, and he's talking about Herod and the dancing with the whatever, the daughter thing, the stepdaughter thing. And the line in it says, I have eyes to feed, they need skin unseen. And that's, that's what it is. I value that. Don't make me stick to my promise, is the way the song says later, of giving John the Baptist's head. It, it's, that's it. I've got to have that and nothing else matters because I'm God. I'm the king. So what's Eve's limitation? Let's look at uh, the text of the actual command. And the woman said to the serpent, how does she recount God's command? We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, and this is a quote from her, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, first let's look at where does Eve get it right? Can't eat of it. How she describe it? The, the, the tree in the midst of the garden. Does she name it as God named it? He called it the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? No, no, no. The one in the midst of the garden. Why is she doing that? What do you think? We don't know if she got it wrong or if Adam taught her wrong. Okay. Let's assume he used the name because he's good at naming things. He named a bunch of stuff. So let's assume he named it because I think he probably... Why would she not name it? Why would she say the tree in the midst of the garden? What was she doing there? It's like all the other trees. Let's, let's minimize the importance of it. It's like all the other trees. It's just the one in the middle. Right? It's just a, it's just a little command. <laughs> it's just a little one. Um, she's correct. She corrects the, the serpent to be fair to Eve. She corrects the serpent on the absurd remark of any tree, right? No, 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 that's not right. By ob obfuscating or minimizing the tree in the midst of the, the garden, what is she revealing? She shouldn't take it that seriously. Shouldn't take it seriously? What's another one? She's allowing the deceit to work, even if just a little bit. She's a willing recipient of the deceit. 
right? I want it, <laughs> right? She wants it. She sees the tree. Why can't I have it? It's Pandora's box. Why can't I have it? It's just a tree. It's just a tree like all the others. It's just the location. It's all we're arguing over is location. Mm -hmm. you, you, basically, you're saying up until this point, they had not sinned. Yet, in their hearts, they had slowly given over to this already. Adam had not been doing his job. Eve had already been questioning. And mm -hmm. so the, the actual sin took place when they took the, the fruit and ate of it. The action. The action. Was, was but the, the soul was being prepared. But the soul was being prepared in the little stuff leading up to it. Sure. They weren't doing their sins of omission and sins of, of commission. Right. They, in one sense, even though it wasn't laid out in the letter of the law, they were sinning by omission by not doing what they were supposed to do. Maybe. We understand that now because it's been laid out for us, but back then the only, <clears throat> the only letter of the law was do not eat of the... Yeah. I don't know that I want to go. I don't know that I want to go that they were sinning before they ate the apple because I think that there's some there's some textual things that would cause problems. But I think you're right in saying that not handling the mediocre things led to the heart issue. Yeah, the mediocre, the little things that were supposed to be taken care of. Um, I'm quoting lyrics today. Steve Taylor uh, had a song back in the <laughs> '90s called "Harder to Believe Than Not To." And he said, riddled with doubts that were left unattended, you, you tossed away the cloak that you should have mended, right? And, and, and that's kind of the, the idea here, is that maybe he got lax. Hey, remember what God said? Isn't he good to give us all this? You know, he's not doing that with her, right? Or at least that's the implication of the text. And Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Sure, sure. It's not that you're sinning, but this is not helping you whenever this stuff comes that's going to cause you to fall. So she says, your, your statement on don't touch the fruit, God didn't, oh, she says don't touch the fruit, right? Yeah, I didn't say that. God didn't say that. She says don't touch the fruit. So what does that tell you? What does that, what does that betray what's going on in her mind and her heart? Betray. What does it reveal? She's, she's now she's outed. Like increasing the restrictiveness of God and His law. Yeah. She's trying to make it sound as as, as bad. Yeah, as bad. I kissed fruit eating goodbye. Is that, 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 yeah. that, that <laughs> she's pushing it all the way over here? She's don't even touch it. Uh, she added that. Maybe Adam added that. We're not told. Maybe he didn't trust her. So don't no, 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 don't touch it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> maybe maybe that's going on. Either way, it adds a layer of law that was not there in the original command. It's a step toward Phariseeism, right? And they haven't even been invented yet. And there's a step toward Phariseeism. Which is called atomism, I guess. I don't know. Look, look how righteous I am. Not only do I obey God's law, but I go beyond it and call that God's law. God's law isn't don't eat it. It's don't touch it. I am not like these other animals that touch the fruit. I, even I, don't touch the fruit. And you should too. You shouldn't touch it either. Notice, however, that she doesn't name the tree. It's the tree in the midst of the garden. It seems to me that she's minimizing the danger by calling the object of her desire something less than it is. It's like calling something an affair or a fib or he's got sticky fingers. You know, it's minimizing what's going on. No, it was an adulterer, a liar, and a thief. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's what it is. 
All right, what's the other one? She, she says, lest you die. What is she doing? What is God's command? On the day you eat of it, you, you may die. You could die. Lest you die. What does God say? You will surely, you will surely die. Surely, surely, you will die. Right? Notice that this minimizes the judgment of God, doesn't it? Did God say that the result was a possibility of death or a certainty? He says it's a certainty. It's going to happen. Why didn't Adam step in and correct her poor recounting of God's Word? I mean, you're, you're a teacher, and you hear this coming out of your student's mouth. Whoa, I've blown it. <laughs> Because there are fundamental issues that are different than what God said coming out of Eve's mouth. Right? So this is substantive stuff. This isn't just a spelling error. This is substantive stuff. As much as he fails to correct Eve's legalism and minimizing of judgment, he really fails to confront the blatant lie from the serpent. Did God really say? He doesn't confront that. Look at verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And Adam, of course, is silent at this point. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will not surely die. What does the serpent challenge here? He challenges judgment. He challenges limitations. What is he challenging here? You will not surely die. God's truthfulness. God's truthfulness. This God that limits you is a lying liar. Now what he's saying? What is offered to you in the midst of the garden is an experience beyond your wildest imaginations. And God knows that. And he doesn't want you to have it. So he lied to you. Would it be fair to say that it's a little bit of a twisted truth here though? Because he knows it's a Oh, he's lying based on God's character? Based on who he knows God to be? Because a lot of times it, where we get caught is in the twisted truth. I kind of, yeah, and, that, and there may be some of that. I kind of wonder about that, though, because all he had known was the judgment of angels. So I don't know that that's necessarily been re displayed by... Of course, this creation is merciful, isn't it? I mean, the whole thing that he's given Adam and Eve is merciful kindness. Here, take a world. Okay. <laughs> right? You will not surely die. The serpent challenges. It's a substantive challenge to the nature of God. God's a liar. A equals non-A. Postmodernists may reconcile that, but they can't both be true. Either God is telling the truth or the serpent is. You've got to choose, right? That's the first thing. Who's, who's the truth teller? Second, the challenge is in the form, it's a challenge against God's judgment. The servant says, There is no judgment. You will not die. There's no judgment. There's no heaven above. There's no heaven, only sky above, no hell beneath. Right? It was not original with uh, Lenin. So, all right. There's no consequences. All is possible. The piano riff may have been. I don't know. So much to experience. What are you waiting for? It's abandoned. There's no judgment here. Why would God be so against your experiencing 
life. Yeah, he wants to keep his power, apparently, is, is the devil's, the serpent's argument here. He wants to keep his power, this insight, to himself. That's life, the experience. Mm-mm-mm, good old fruit in the middle. What does Jesus define life to be? Eternal life is what? That they know you and the one whom you've sent, Jesus Christ. Is that right? We're created to know him, not fruit in the middle of the garden. And she's buying the lie. The serpent not only challenges God's character, that's not the truth this is. He doesn't just challenge God's authority and judgment, you won't die. But also his motive for giving the law in the first place. It's not for your good. God has your, your harm involved. He's not letting you live your best life now. Right? He's only looking out for himself. The thumb that he can put on your neck and not let you experience all that the middle of the garden has to offer. What's the upside to eating it according to the serpent? What does he say? What's going to happen? Be like God. What else does he say? Your eyes will be... You're so blind. You're so blind. You haven't experienced this yet. But you do this, and your eyes will be opened. Now you'll know. You'll know the secret to all of happiness and life, right? Again, true. <laughs> yes, in a manner of speaking, it is, isn't it? No, he doesn't. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's funny how, uh, how we as people sin in this exact same way. Oh, yeah, it's a pattern. Most of the truth, and we'll just kind of twist it. Sure. Or what liars do is they always project. Mm -hmm. And so what he's doing to Eve is he's lying, projecting that that lie is actually God's. Right. So he's projecting those lies on the... Her. Yeah, it's a, and so I mean, it's it's the exact same stuff. And we could do the socio-political analysis of this all day long, but we won't do that this I mean, morning. To be perfectly honest, he's not lying. He's telling nothing but the truth and using it to say something that's not the truth. Well, other than you sh will not surely die. Yeah, they did, but they didn't physically they did. die. Well, they did eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they died spiritually. What did he say? You will be like God. Right from home. No, not, not untrue, just not nearly what they think it would be. Aren't they already like God? <laughs> I mean, aren't they already given the duty to discern between clean and unclean, holy and unholy? Aren't they already given that duty? Guard and keep? Priestly duties? They guard and keep everything, though. Yeah? Because everything that's been created so far is good. Except for the chaos outside the garden. They're called to be priests already. They're already supposed to be discerning. What is he actually promising? He's promising them cotton candy that melts away the minute you taste it and it's gone. It looks good on that stick, but it makes you sticky and nasty. I don't know that from experience. 
What is he promising will be added? They're already like God. In the most pure sense of the word, they are made in his image. They're exercising dominion over creatures like God told them to do because it reflects who he is over the universe. They're already like God. He's promising them something they've already got and making them despise what they already have. Knowing good and evil. Then they already know good and evil. There's obedience is good. Disobedience is evil. They know that from the Word of God. But they haven't haven't experienced it. That's exactly right. He's promising that they will be the ones to determine what is good and what is evil for themselves. Right? It's my truth. God, you keep your truth. This is my truth. In God's position, because they're already like Him. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously God. They're not. But, but he's, they're reflecting his image. He's promising they will become him. They'll sit on the throne. They'll determine what's good and evil. And be wise. And they'll do it better than God does, because they'll be wise. You kind of talked about this, but it's a chain of events where the, the creature is exercising a form of authority over, over the one that's supposed to he's supposed to be submitted to mm-hmm. the humans mm-hmm. and then the wife is exercising a form of right. authority over the husband and they're all grasping to be an authority, authority over God right exactly exactly the basically the snake is um, he's a false preacher there's not yeah. a contentment with the way things right <clears throat> you can do what's right in your own open eyes is what he's promising. There's not a contentment. If you had your eyes open, then you could be content. Um, He's promising freedom. Freedom from what? Throw off the restrictive shackles of this lying, conniving, powerless God and do what you want as you see fit. What is he promising? Can he? I mean, I'm... If we, if we take away the emotion of the moment and the really wanting that, you know, question answered, what's in the fruit, and you're looking at who's telling you this, why would they believe this thing? Because there's no lies. There's no falsehood. Maybe. They desperately want it to be true as well. Their, their heart is already longing for it. it but it's, at the same time, it's that much easier to deceive somebody when they have no discernment. I mean, the, the only other person they've ever had contact with is God. Uh-huh. God doesn't lie. Right? So, and each other, and they haven't lied yeah, to each other. Evidence of three. Because it's all laid bare. We're all out there. You know, we, evidence of three. There's no lies. Yeah. Tell the truth. Yeah, and the animals generally don't talk. <laughs> to our knowledge. Yeah. Maybe. But we have, like, God's here. God can do stuff. Who knows? Right. And so we get to the question, is there truth in what the serpent says? I think it's to your point. And and sort of. In what way does God know good and evil? How does God know good and evil? Kind of, he, he is good. Therefore, he anything that is not just keep the words coming. You'll get there eventually. He, he is good. Therefore, anything that is explicitly not him is not good. Okay. It's not. There is no shadow of turning in God, right? Is that what the James says? I think it's James. There's there's no darkness in him. Light. He is pure light, 
and in his light we see light. I mean, that's what the psalmist says. So there's no evil in God. So how does he know good and evil? He knows it outside in. He knows it objectively. Right? He sees it and understands it. But he doesn't experience it. Because he's not evil. How are they going to know it? Inside out. Right? Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, yum, and it was a delight to the eyes, shiny, and there was a tree, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, she also gave some to her husband, some, to her husband who was with her, and he ate. What three intellectual judgments does Eve make? Looks tasty, looks good, and it's going to make me better. Good for food. What is that? There is fruit Lust of the... <coughs> Flesh. Because it's uh, eating, right? <laughs> Delight to the eyes. Lust of the... Eyes. Lust of the flesh. Wasn't she surrounded with food? Yeah. yeah. But this is the food that we were told explicitly not to eat. So it's more fun. Delight to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Wasn't she already surrounded by beauty? Was to be desired to make one wise. To give insight is the idea here. That's the, what? The pride of, pride of life. This first John. I think so. Huh. Last time I remember. Didn't she already have godly wisdom? Wasn't she already walking with God in the cool of the day? Being taught by Him? Being taught by Adam? Wasn't she already seeing things and knowing things and really could do some awesome calculus? I mean, the mind uninhibited by sin. At 12, Jesus was astounding the greatest teachers of the day in a mind uninhibited by sin. What were Adam and Eve doing? We could cultivate that tree. Over here, we do this. They've got the plans. They, got the, they figured out square foot guarding long before any of us did. I mean, they, they, they knew the stuff. Was desired to make one wise. Tim, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Adam was formed first and was not deceived. Eve was. And the question comes back again, where was Adam? And I'm thinking he's saying, you first. <laughs> Let's see what... <laughs> and she didn't die right away, so then he ate. Woohoo! Serpent's That's right. It's interesting that he let her yeah. take the first bite. Because it shows... Maybe God will make me another one. <laughs> There are more ribs in the sea. All right. I wasn't really protecting it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Maybe that's why I didn't say that. Maybe. I, don't, I, mean, it's, I never thought of that. He was curious what was going to happen. Well, she didn't die. This is an experiment. He has a scientific mind. We all take risks in science. So, <laughs> Verse 7, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Their eyes were opened. They did gain a new knowledge. The knowledge that comes with what? Shame, guilt, distrust. 
they knew they were naked. Do you ever one of those kind of nightmares? You know the ones. You go to school, you're like buff, you know? Yes. Yeah, it, they're awful. They're awful, awful dreams. I'm pretty confident Adam and Eve already knew they had no clothes on. There's a difference in that and realizing I'm naked. My flaws now show. Shame. I have flaws. I'm so flawed. I'm talking about body image issues? <laughs> Suddenly, it's not good enough what God created me to be. Right? I got to cover this. What kind of word associations do you make with being naked and out in the open? Vulnerable. That's a big word, isn't it? I'm vulnerable. I now no longer live in the protection of what my Creator made me to be. I'm vulnerable to the snake. Maybe he does have fangs. To the lion I used to pet. I'm vulnerable. Their, their attempted coup had been acted out. The trust they had, the freedom with each other and before God was gone. Instead of feeling the exhilaration of newfound godness, they felt exposed, weak, and vulnerable. And God, the one whom they had tried to overthrow, the one who had provided all they needed and more, was coming for their daily walk in the cool of the day. Oops. He would see their nakedness. He would know. God always knows. Things that we try to cover, the things that we try to hide. Do you think his holy gaze doesn't see through that? Do you think he knew what had happened before he came down in the cool of the day? Heaven's always cool and his eyes are always open, right? <laughs> so they did the most logical thing in these circumstances. Find some fig leaves. <laughs> and sew them together because that'll hide their nakedness from God. Good idea. Well thought out plan. There's some of that to make one wise stuff happening in right there. It's all good. It's not the most comfortable clothing I would imagine, but they were pressed for time, so they were, they were, on, a they were on a deadline. They gotta make things happen. How did they sew it? Valid point. I'm sure, that they, um, I'm sure that they had some strings somewhere. So the genealogy in Luke 3 has a very interesting way it concludes. I, I, I want to go through genealogy sometime, but I just, it escapes me. So I, it ends in Luke 3, it says, Seth, son of Adam, the son of God. The likeness of God, the image of God. Adam was viewed as a son of God. Still. Still. There would come much later another son of God to be tried by the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. Matthew 4 tells us this happened not in a plush garden paradise, but in a desolate wilderness. Jesus, while hungry after not eating for 40 days, at that point, any tree looked good, right? <laughs> Tired from exposure to the elements for as many days, being vulnerable to the elements, 40 days, the deceiver would again seek for a soft target. We read the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. 
there is exaggerating, there's bending out of context, always twisting to his pseudo-logic to make it sound so trustworthy, so believable. The deceiver again tries to invade the very temple of God, not just a garden, but the person of the God-man. He tries to invade that temple. He tempts Christ to prove his identity and satisfy that gnawing hunger by simply turning stones into bread. There's the lust of the, the flesh. What does Jesus say? I don't need your fruit. I don't need your bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm going to be obedient to what I've heard. I'm going to be obedient to what he's taught me. The Son of God guards what is holy with a true and accurate handling of the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. All I have needed, his hand has provided. It is enough. It's contentment, isn't it? It's thankfulness for what he's done, how he's made us. The deceiver takes Christ to the very pinnacle of the man-made temple in Jerusalem and challenges him with the temptation to call forth angels to save him as he flings himself off for all to see. What is that? That's the pride of life, isn't it? Look at me. Whee! He refused to put God to the test. Shall not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. It's the word that proceeds from his mouth. I'm not going to do that. Finally, the deceiver tries one last temptation. Look at all these kingdoms I could give you if you just bow to me. There's the lust of the eyes. All I have needed, your hand is provided. You shall worship the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. So the Son of God is the victor in that encounter. But don't think that the deceiver stopped there. He doesn't. He doesn't stop with you either. There are times where you will overcome temptation and it's like two days later, it's right there in a soft spot. You haven't got enough sleep, haven't been in your Bible, whatever. And bam, there you are again. He didn't stop with Jesus. Do you think you're better than Jesus? No. Luke tells us that he's just shirked away until an opportune time. Yet Hebrews 4.15 uh, tells us that Jesus in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. How? How was he a victor? He knew the Word of God perfectly and accurately. He is the Word of God, John 1 tells us. Because of his life of obedience, we are judged obedient if we trust Christ. And we can be obedient because he lived a life I should have lived. And he's died the, di the death I should have died. <clears throat> and because of his resurrection, the power of that lives in me. I can resist the deceiver. In fact, Paul says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I can do it. I'm not going to do it perfectly. So thank God that he died the death I should have died. Right? And was raised. We're to strive to live pursuing the image of the Son in our lives by putting to death the sin that so easily ensnares us. In and of ourselves, we can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. Our efforts are fig leaves. But He can through us. So, how do we do it? How do we, how do, we do it? We, we, we have Him do it. <laughs> the closer we are to Jesus, the closer we are to thankfulness for the life He lived, the death He died, and the resurrection that He granted Himself, the closer we are to Him, 
When did Peter fall? In the when he's walking on the water? When he looked at the water. When his eyes are focused on who Christ is, he had no fear, he was after him. He abide in him, abide in me. Without me you can do nothing. Jesus says it again and again and again, abide in me. If we're not in him, we're going to be beelining it toward the fruit at the middle of the garden. John would also write in his first letter to the churches, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. It's cotton candy. It's passing away. It's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. How do you know the will of God? By knowing and doing the Word of God. It's not some whisper in the trees. It's not some unforeseen kiss. <laughs> it's knowing and doing the Word of God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to know the word like Adam and sin anyway is heinous but don't be like Eve either and be deceived especially when God has given you so many means of grace to know his word through preaching and teaching and to be held accountable by each other and fellow believers all we have needed his hand is provided including the repentance and faith to trust him alone when we fail and not in our fig leaf efforts he's always been faithful to us so let's thank him and pray God, we do thank you. We thank you that you are eternal, kind, good. You revealed yourself to us as Father, not as dictator. And so we long to trust you with hearts that are right and pure. We look at our own hearts and realize how far we are from that goal to look like your Son. We pray that your Spirit continues to drive us to him. Keep our eyes opened and set upon him. Open our eyes that we may see Jesus and follow him wherever that may lead. Thank you for this in his name. Amen. Captain? Yes, sir. Is there kind of a reversal in a sense? <clears throat> like Adam and Eve reached for something they were not allowed. Jesus, when he stepped down and out of heaven into manhood, he denied, thought equality with God not a thing to be grasped. Right. Yeah. He denied himself something right. that he did have a break. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. He is the second Adam for a reason. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly right. He's the better Adam. He is the better Adam. So will we see Adam in heaven? <laughs> Okay, this is where I'm ending the recording.